Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi everyone, I'm Irene Baroni and you are listening to Sorry Partner. Hello and welcome to Sorry Partner, a weekly podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players. Brought to you by Bridge Partners and Friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we talk with Italian champion Irene Baroni about her relationship with poker and bridge and how her first enemy became a great love. Plus, she shares her top tip for developing players. But first, let's give it. Hi, partner. Hi, partner. How are you doing, Catherine? Jocelyn, I am terrific. How are you? I'm well. You know how we've been talking a little bit about gloating and what constitutes gloating and what doesn't really amount to gloating, but is more just being gracious? I think we've talked about that pretty recently, in fact. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have a new wrinkle on that. I'm not sure this qualifies exactly as gloating, but I think it's gloating adjacent, perhaps. <laughs> Let me lay it out for you and you tell me what you think. Oh, good. Okay. I can't wait. Okay. So I was at the club last night and I was playing against these very, very good players. I had an incredible hand. Yeah. Eight, four shape. Wow. Okay. So I have eight diamonds and four spades plus a random club. Right. I decide, I think about it. I open one diamond. Okay. And then my left hand opponent overcalls two clubs. My partner is silent. My right-hand opponent bids three clubs. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of in a conundrum about what to bid next. Be interested to know what our listeners think. Again, eight diamonds, and it's a self-sufficient suit. Right. And, uh, and four spades and a club. So I bid five diamonds. Ooh. Right-hand opponent bids six clubs. Now my partner, who has been silent to date, bids six diamonds and it goes pass pass and then double all pass okay so i'm in six diamonds doubled right i make it very easily because i have a self-sufficient diamond suit and as it turns out remember my four spades well my partner has four spades too oh wow so i made six diamonds doubled nice i'm feeling pretty good but i'm not gloating (laughs) my right hand opponent then says they have seven spades. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> and I immediately thought, you know what? Is that gloating? I need to ask Catherine. <laughs> I can't quite tell. It is kind of, it is a form of gloating. Like, well, you might think you did well, but we prevented you from finding your, your spade fit. What's the word to describe the expression on my face, Jocelyn? It's a grimace. <laughs> it's it's 
I don't know if it's, is it nauseated? It's something like that. It's, um, it's disgust. Yeah, yeah. For sure, disgust. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Wow. And what did their partner say? Their partner said they're never going to find that. <laughs> but no, but not like, not as a bad, not in any, I think their partner was sort of not sticking up for us, but like six diamonds doubled was pretty damn good. And it was, it was very good. Unfortunately, it actually made seven diamonds doubled at one table. So we didn't get completely a top board, but it was second to top board. And I was quite pleased. Of course, our opponents on that board went on to win the event. Of course they did. And that's fine. They're very, as I said, they're very, very good. But that idea that they're making themselves feel better when they doubled my six diamonds by saying, well, they had seven spades. <laughs> well, they might have won the event, but did they win the hearts and minds? No, they did not. <laughs> not this mind, not this heart. <laughs> hey, and what did your partner say? I believe she was silently rolling her eyes, which is probably the right response. Did you actually say something? Yes. I said, oh, <laughs> I'm going to use this in the podcast. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> did you? Yes, I did. I love it. Fantastic. <laughs> did that elicit any kind of response? Did they say, what's a podcast? <laughs> no, they both knew about the podcast. No, I, but I'm not sure that they understood why I would use it. Or I'm not sure if they both did. They probably thought I would use it to discuss what an interesting hand it was, which it was. I have rarely had an 8-4 shape. And, you know, it was kind of tricky opposite a silent partner where the opponents were bidding to find the right place. I mean, I could have opened it two clubs. But again, I had these two suits so I was a little nervous to open two clubs and then, you know, I wanted to keep spades around, but ultimately I jettisoned that idea and just went for the diamonds. So Jocelyn, we've had some mail. Would you like me to read you a letter? Oh, that would be great. I love the letter. <laughs> I love the letters too. So this is from Dan in Berkeley, California. Thanks for writing, Dan. Dan says, hi, Jocelyn and Catherine. In a recent episode of your Sorry podcast, which I love, by the way. <laughs> He's a punster. <laughs> One of the experts you interviewed explained that he hated minor wood, primarily because it is so prone to misunderstandings at the table. That reminded me of my favorite example of this. I was playing in a two-table team game at a friend's house several years ago in which our opponents had not played together before. As they sat down, they finished discussing their convention card and agreed they would play minor wood without further discussion. Shortly afterwards, they had this auction without interference. One diamond, two clubs, game forcing, two diamonds, three clubs, three no trump, four clubs, presumably minor wood, four hearts, five clubs, five diamonds, six clubs, rather firmly, pass, pass to me. At this point, I suspected the opponents had had a misunderstanding. <laughs> Being a fan of minor wood myself, I knew that five clubs was an attempted sign-off. Apparently, however, my right-hand opponent thought it was asking for kings and happily showed the king of diamonds. My suspicion was also buttressed by the fact that I was staring at all three aces out of <laughs> the club suit. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. So I doubled, being careful not to do it with too much glee, since they're both good friends, 
but after all, this is bridge and they were vulnerable. (laughs) So now I had to decide what to lead. I know if I lead the wrong ace, the dummy is going to come down with a void, rough it, and I'll have set up the king-queen-jack in right-hand opponent's hand for pictures of the two cards in another suit. So after a few moments of thought, I decide to make the safe lead of a small club from too small. When my partner played the ace, I regret that I let out a guffaw so loud that one of my teammates (laughs) in the other room asked what was wrong. (laughs) When the dust settled, they were down three for minus 800. Left-hand opponent, in fact, had a void in diamonds with a 4108 shape and not really enough points to make a two over one bid. Our teammates played two diamonds, making having suspected a misfit after the auction of one diamond, one spade, two diamonds. Dan. <laughs> wow, what a what a swing there. <laughs> you know what I loved the most was they're good friends, <laughs> but it's bridge. <laughs> and they were vulnerable. <laughs> and they were vulnerable. Yes. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Friendship will only take you so far. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Love it, Dan. Thanks so much for sharing that story. That's wonderful. So if you have any good stories about, well, gloating again, which seems to be a very popular topic, as well as bidding snafus, which are also always fun to hear about, uh, if not to experience in real time, please (laughs) send them to us at sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or via Instagram at sorrypartnerpodcast. Or you can leave us a voice message. And these links and a link to our merch store are under the episode descriptions in your app or on the website or wherever you like to listen. Coming up next, our interview with Irene Baroni. Hi, I'm Jim from the Chicago area, and I'm a listener supporter of Sorry Partner. What I really like about the show is it makes me laugh. And some of the things that come up in the show, uh, I'll be out for a walk or I'll be working out and I just laugh out loud. It's so nice. Not only does the show make me laugh, but it also helps make me a better bridge player. If you are thinking about supporting the show, there is a link to their Patreon page on their website it's self-explanatory on on where to go from there. If you find them to be valuable and it's important to you that they continue to exist, then I recommend supporting and I do support those kinds of things. And we're back. Italian champion Irene Baroni comes from a bridge-playing family, but as a child, She rebelled against the family business and was nearly 18 before she started playing. She has since won 22 Italian gold medals in the mixed and women's fields. As part of the national women's team, she won bronze at the Orlando World Championships, and she placed third in the mixed teams at the World Championships in Salsa Maggiore. She's also a champion poker player. We began by asking if she'd had any interesting hands lately. Uh, yeah, actually, yesterday I was uh, bidding uh, on BBO with my partner. And we had a really interesting hand. I had a king fourth, ace queen jack nine, king thief, and ace king fourth. 
And my partner opened one spade. I bid uh, two clubs. That is a, a, a relief. He bid uh, two diamonds minimum, two hard tasks, and he bid uh, two spades showing uh, diamonds. I bid two no trump, and he bid uh, three heart showing the singleton in club. Now I know that he has uh, five spades, three heart, and four diamond, and a singleton in club. So I bid uh, three spades, and now he already showed uh, 11 to 14, and he bid uh, four diamond, that is a uh, maximum, and if not, he, bid, uh, he can bid uh, three no trump. So I bid, uh, I just ask cases and uh, he bid the five art denying the, the, the queen of spades. So now the problem is that uh, I'm not playing seven spades for sure, but uh, if he has the king third in art, I, I can make uh, seven arts. So I bid five no trump asking for kings and he bid six arts and now I bid the seven hearts and uh, we just made uh, two rough at the dummy and I make uh, 13 tricks uh, with uh, Trump heart. And uh, it has been fun. Uh, I love playing seven in the 4-3. Sometimes it, it happens and uh, it's one of my favorite uh, beating. Why do you like it? No, you know, because uh, normally you have to play with the five, four feet. But in, in this case, I have so, so beautiful heart. Uh, and uh, even if they lead in a heart, uh, I, I can rough uh, two clubs and the dummy. I, I have all the communication because I have the king, Steve in diamond and the king of spades. And it can be a, a very beautiful uh, swing because uh, for sure in the other table, we'll play six spades. So we gain our 13 points and I was uh, pretty proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a sense as the auction was happening, that you were going to end up in that kind of contract? Yeah, actually, at the beginning, I was just thinking about the Queen of Spades. But when uh, she denied me the Queen of Spades, uh, I was thinking about uh, Six No Trump or Seven No Trump or uh, something else. And uh, now I know that she has uh, three card in art, so I'm pretty sure that I can make uh, easily 13 tricks uh, with uh, the 4-3 fit. So... It was a really interesting and um, and uh, we in Italy we we play all, all this kind of relay. It's a system based uh, from the Garozzo system, uh, in which um, you you can des- describe exactly the range of the point and uh, the distribution, and that helps you a lot in bidding, uh, especially in the slam try bidding. In the game time, it doesn't matter because uh, you you call a game, you don't call a game, but uh, you you don't have to be precise. But in the slam try bidding. Uh, the more precise you have, you have uh, the better it is. What are some of the differences that you've noticed between the Italian bridge scene and the French bridge scene? I think the principal difference between French and Italy is that in French, everybody is playing standard French, everybody is playing standard count. And this has uh, like uh, pro and contros because uh, you, you can go in a bridge club and play and don't speak about the system and you will play exactly the same of your partner. But on the other side, uh, there is not willing to, to get the, the bridge a, a better game, to learn a new convention, to, to improve uh, your, your bidding systems. And in, in Italy, everybody's playing different systems. So if you, if you go to the bridge club, you have to speak like a half an hour before uh, getting <laughs> a convention card written in a, in a proper way. And we, we love inventing system. Uh, I remember when I started playing bridge that uh, 
people started to play gazzilli and the event in my my gazzilli was the barilli i call it <laughs> and uh, <laughs> with uh, our junior friends we all played the barilli because uh, i invented <laughs> this kind of gazzilli that was pretty similar to the other one but uh, with uh, my my touch so they they play a lot more um, penalty double we always play it for us uh, double is always take out uh, we we never punish the opponents I don't like it pretty much. I prefer the the French style, but for the willing of improve your uh, your bidding system, I, I prefer Italy for that. And is your playing style or your bidding style starting to change or be affected by the time that you've spent living in France? Yes, a lot. Not because of uh, the the bidding system in French, but uh, because uh, before before coming to to France, I I, I always play with clients. I never play with people uh, stronger than me or at my level. And since I moved here, I started playing with uh, Thomas' friends. Sometimes with Thomas, but um, not not too much because uh, we always fight. So we're we play <laughs> together. And my 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 level improved because uh, I I could uh, speak every day with uh, strong players. So I, I improved for that. And now I'm more uh, disciplinated than before because when I stopped playing poker and start playing bridge, I was very, very undisciplined. So now, now I'm trying to to to, to be more quiet uh, in the bidding, to be more um, to make every every time uh, the the same things, not not uh, to to get moved by my emotions, but trying to be more um, disciplined. Can you remember your first impression or memory of bridge? I don't know. Uh, I really hate it because uh, I didn't know what it was. I just uh, listened to my parents say, no, you have to save two spades, one spade. And uh, I didn't understand anything. And that made me really mad and uh, <laughs> was really mad. So my, my first impression wasn't positive at all. Bridge was my first enemy <laughs> because uh, it kept my, my parents apart from me. <laughs> So you resisted learning to play bridge because your family were bridge players. What is it, do you think, that made you switch to loving it? It was a way to, to be more connected with my family. And I say, okay, I, I, I never see you. And I, I will come to the bridge club sometimes to get some bridge lessons. And we start playing bridge. I start playing with my father and... Uh, I don't know, we, we found a way to to communicate because it was really difficult to communicate with my father. We we are almost the same, but uh, we always fight. We didn't find a way to connect. This was the way. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to yeah. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend <laughs> that I don't right Hold now. it in. And our current faves. And Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What would your partner say is your greatest strength at playing bridge? Probably I like to play every time different systems. So I love the beating. The beating is the favorite part of bridge and I, I always get compliments from my partners from a beating that I made or something that I understood uh, and a beating that I made because I understood the situation. I, I think that if I ask to a partner of mine which is my best uh, part of the bridge uh, they turn. And what would they say is a weaker part of your game? Probably playing it with the dummy sometimes uh, I uh, I lose the focus and uh, I lose some tricks when I uh, I don't have to lose them. So yes, the, my my worst part is the focus. How do you work on developing your focus at the game? I I started making meditation. Actually, I I do a lot of sports. I, I go to the gym like three times a week, and I I think that helps for uh, for the focus uh, to be connected and. So, and uh, every time I have to play, I, I take uh, half an hour in my room uh, w- without the light and I listen some music and I try, I try that. And does it help? It, it, it helps a lot. Uh, I have the table that I'm focused and I don't think to anything else. Can you explain to me how it helps? I just really, you know, people often talk about meditation and I understand it intellectually, but I've not been able to do it. And I wonder if you can explain to me how it helps. Yeah, with meditation, you try to eliminate all the noises that you have around around you. But is it helpful because in the game, you are practiced at eliminating distractions? Or is it helpful as an inoculation to have had time with no noise before the game like is it a skill you apply when you're playing or is it something that somehow sets your temperament before entering the tournament yeah I think it set my my temperament and I I think that I arrived at the table that I was uh, without any noise before and uh, I can stay without any noise uh, at the table still I see so it sets a frame of mind when you enter the playing situation. Yes. Okay. Okay. In Italian, it's it's called a training autogeno. I I don't know the the term in English, but it, it means that uh, you have to think uh, to eliminate all, all the noises and to see to to tell yourself that you are going to do well. You are going to to make no mistakes, uh, to to win, and uh, and then uh, it helps you a little bit. I don't know. I don't know if it's like a placebo or something like that, but uh, I I saw that it helps me. What's the most important thing to learn about defense? I think that in defense, sometimes uh, you you forgot about the beating. If you understand all the beating, uh, you you will understand also how 
the opponent will play with the dummy. And if you understand how the, the, the opponent played with the dummy, you can also make a good defense because uh, you know what he's scared of and you know what you have to do. I, I always think about the beating and what he's going to play before the leading and it helps a lot, of course. The beautiful thing in bridge is that everything is connected. So if you understand how he beat it and how he's going to play with the dummy, then you, you can make a good defense. So you stepped away from playing bridge for about six years. What were you doing then? I, I stopped playing bridge in the end of uh, my junior period because uh, one night I, I used to play barbu for money. And there was a, a Texas Hold'em club in which uh, they host a very big uh, barbu game. So I, I used to go there. One night I met this guy who was the first time I was playing barbu. And he, he went to the table to play a very high stakes uh, barbu game. And he lost 3,000 euros. And I say, but uh, you're really stupid. Why, why you are playing? You never play and uh, I found out that he, he was uh, like the, the strongest uh, poker player in Italy of the period. And uh, he asked me, but why you are not playing poker? Because uh, you, you are good in playing cards. And, and I say, well, I, I don't have any money and uh, I don't <laughs> want to spend my money for a game that I never play. And he say, okay, I will pay you the tournaments and we will split the, the, the earnings. So uh, I started playing poker a little bit uh, for fun, but then uh, it became my, my job. And so I decided to quit bridge because I couldn't do both. Okay, so it was less about passion or choice and more just about circumstance you found yourself in that situation. Yeah, it was also a period in which uh, I wanted to become a professional bridge player. But uh, in Italy, there is a lot of uh, misogynism and it was really difficult for a woman to get the money. And uh, I remember that I was speaking about with um, a professional bridge player and they say, uh, I would like to go to America and to play bridge for for living. And they say, but uh, you're, you're crazy. You're a woman. <laughs> there, there is nobody who wants to pay a woman play bridge and in that period they start playing poker and poker nobody cares if you're a woman or a man <laughs> you you're playing your own money and nobody cares so I said okay fine <laughs> go and play poker that's very interesting so there's really a difference between the sexism that you encountered in bridge and the sexism or lack thereof in poker I don't know, because there is a lot of sexism in poker too, but uh, it's different because uh, you don't need a client. You, you, you just pay the entrance of the tournaments. And when you win, uh, you are a woman who won the tournament. You didn't play with a partner who was stronger than you. And people say, ah, oh, no, but she was winning because he's stronger. Something like that. <laughs> you, you win your money, you lose your money. It's just up to you. This makes uh, poker more like uh, democratic. And that's why I decided to stop playing bridge. So yeah, I played for seven years poker professionally. And after that, the level was uh, increases a lot because now everyone knows how to play poker a little bit. And it became more difficult to earn money. 
So I decided to give a shot uh, again to the bridge world and I restarted playing bridge and, and now I'm here. <laughs> what kind of sexism do you notice in the bridge world? Mm, I don't know. Uh, in, in Italy still, uh, women, uh, in Italy there are like four or five uh, professional women players and still uh, we, we can't arrive to, to get the same money of uh, half of the professional men player. I know that in Italy we have like five of the um, the strongest bridge player in the world. So, but still uh, I can't uh, get the same money of uh, a man who maybe play the same of me. So money and, and also, also consideration. What do you mean? I mean that... Uh, I don't know if they don't know me or the me or another woman. It's difficult that uh, a guy arrive and speak about hand in Italy, and uh, they don't watch you. So they they watch the men. They they try to speak with the men. They don't say ah what you think. I'm not thinking about people who knows me, but I think about people. Maybe they don't know you and they they treat you like uh, okay you you don't matter because. Uh, you're a woman. <laughs> you don't get that automatic respect. No. In Italy, in France, more than in the other part of the world, I think. What changes would you like to see? I would like to cancel all the, all the women events. But I think that uh, we live in a sort of ghetto in which uh, if you are a talented woman, they, they just put you in the women tournament, in the women national team. And so it, it's pretty normal that you can't improve your game like a guy, uh, a boy who is very strong and they put him uh, to play with uh, Lauria Versace or, or Max Rotrod. They, they become the pupil of the strongest player and, and they, 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 they can learn more. So if we cancel all the women event, it will be easier to, for a woman to grow up, I think. Would most of your female playing friends agree with you? Uh, no, I, I spoke actually with Marion, with uh, Maruska, with, with, with all uh, the professional players who all, always come to the Nationals. They are not agreed for, for the professional uh, side. They say, okay, you're you are telling me that, but then uh, how, how can I arrive at the end of the month if I don't have any money? Yeah, but the point is that they're concerned about making a living, that's right. Yes, because they, they might have fewer opportunities to be employed. So they shrinking opportunities rather than the issue of sexism itself. Yes, but uh, I think people are not ready yet to cancel the women events. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's interesting. We talked to Samantha Punch about this and, and she was saying maybe it shouldn't be an all or nothing thing, that the women events were established to create an opportunity for women when sexism was more widely accepted. And so you can't then just cancel it out in one fell swoop. So maybe maybe some sort of gradual change might work better. Yes, maybe. But we certainly have heard this opinion before. Yeah, we will see do you have a favorite tournament that you love to play? Oh, uh, yeah. I love to play the border match. <laughs> Why? Uh, because I love to gamble. Uh, <laughs> so it, it, it's the tournament, the tournament that is closer to, to a poker tournament because uh, 
when you when you have the chance you you want to risk the maximum to to get uh, the better result and you, you can you can take more risk than uh, a, a team match in a team match you are, you have just uh, play safety every time and in the border match uh, you you can risk a little bit because uh, it's either half or zero or one so there is less difference <laughs> You can gamble a little bit more, so yes, definitely the border match. I always uh, try to play the Risinger when I'm in uh, at the national because uh, I love that. I, it's the, also the greatest result that I made in a in a national that I had the ninth in a in a Risinger, so <laughs> it's the best result that I had. Do you think that it's possible that you you leveraged some of your poker playing? skills to achieve that great result in the Risinger? Maybe, maybe I am. Since I, I stopped playing poker, I, I have more presence at the table. I don't know, I, I see more things, but I also have more uh, problems like playing safety. Uh, I don't know, I... You take more risks. Uh, yes, I take Definitely more risk, and I, I should be uh, play more disciplined. Uh, like uh, Toma always say to me <laughs> when I go to play a, a tournament, he say, "Try to do the average end, please." <laughs> so, <laughs> I notice more things at the table. That's why I don't like playing BPO because I prefer to play live bridge. I, I want to be at the table and see the opponents. And I prefer to connect uh, with them and see things at the table. I don't know to have the feeling that I'm doing the right thing or the wrong thing, also being at the table. What's the funniest thing that's ever happened when you were playing bridge? Okay, I was playing uh, at the bridge club of my parents and there was this uh, old man who always wanted to fight with everyone. It was really Italian in the arts and he was always yelling at the opponents and the partner. At, at some point... Um, he opened one club and my partner beat the three spades, pass, and they beat four spades. And he beat five clubs. So it went fast, pass, and I started thinking a lot because I, I, I had a good end and uh, I wanted to beat five spades, but uh, I knew him and I knew that uh, he was going to be, to go down for sure. So I think a lot and I passed. And uh, he, he went to the, to up to the chair and he said, director, director. She fought a lot and then she passed. She can do that. <laughs> so funny. Do you have a favorite convention that you particularly like to play with all your partners? So uh, I, I think that Two Diamonds 1819 Balance is my favorite convention. All the answer of the, the partner of the two diamonds opener can transfer and uh, every unbalanced end they gave, uh, it will be al always the opener who will play the end. So that's great. But that's also great because uh, of when you not open off uh, one, uh, two diamonds, when you open one club or one diamond and uh, then you double or you show some strength, you are always unbalanced. So in the competition situation, it's great for that. It solves you so many problems that if you don't, if you cannot uh, have the 18-19 balance, it's pretty much easier in competition. Is there a convention that you think is a waste of time or you just don't like it? 
Okay, so being an Italian, I can say the support double. In Italy, we never play support double in any situations. So every time I go abroad and uh, and I play with a new partner and they say, okay, let's play support double, I hate it because I'm not used to play it. And in Italy, we have um, we have different beating that shows uh, three card uh, in the suit. Uh, double always show a strong hand. So I, I don't like it because uh, in competition, then uh, you have some problems. If you beat double that you can have 18 points or 12 with uh, three card unbalanced. Uh, it can be become tough. What's the best bridge tip or advice that you've ever been given? I think the best advice that they gave me it was to think more. Uh, this is a game in which you never stop thinking enough uh, to an end because, uh, and sometimes I know that I don't take enough my time. When I'm uh, when I'm a little bit nervous, I start uh, playing too much fast and I made more mistakes. So I, I, I can tell that w- when they tell me to think a lot before playing is the best uh, advice that I get and the best advice that I can give uh, to anybody. Think more than uh, you think you need. Elena, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been so lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much, Irene. It has been wonderful. Thank you too. It was really fun. And that's the show. Many thanks to our guest, Irene Baroni. Sorry Partner is produced by Catherine Harris. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Starts and produced by Daniel Graboy. Thank you also to our friend, Larry Cohen. Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or at sorrypartnerpodcast on Instagram or send us a voice message and please consider supporting the show. These links and a link to our merch store are under the episode description in your app or on the website at sorrypartner.com or wherever you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice or we'll call the director. Until next week, play well. May all your finesses be on site. And remember, as Irene says, think more than you think you need to think. (laughs) Great advice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, partner. Thank you, partner. (laughs) Bye. Bye.